Hi, welcome to another edition or episode of the Leadership Enigma. My word, I've done so many of these. Are they editions or are they episodes? I don't know. Thought for another day. I have got the wonderful Tom Lias with me today, who is the Talent Acquisition Manager from the law firm Brown Jacobson. Why am I speaking to Tom? Well, social mobility is a massive theme for all of us as leaders, whatever sized business. It's something that's true to my heart. We think about how do we lead inclusively? How do we lead from a human-centered approach? And there is no one better for me to talk to than Tom Lyers. You do not want to miss this episode because Brown Jacobson were voted the number one in the UK social mobility employer. So if someone's got the answers, I reckon Tom's got the answers. Come back to me just after this. During constant change, your leadership has never been more important to create a better and more inclusive world. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma a podcast for the insatiably curious to explore the power of human-centered leadership to create real momentum for positive and sustainable change. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, each week we speak to global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors as we discover that success leaves clues. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico. There you go. It's a big warm welcome to you, Tom, on the Leadership Enigma. Thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks ever so much for having me, Adam. I love that particular intro. It kind of sets us up, I hope, for enormous success. We're now in the 80s in relation to how many episodes we've done, so it's a real pleasure to have you. And I I gave you the big intro because I've been looking forward to this one because you are the Talent Acquisition Manager for Brown Jacobson, the the law firm. Tell us a little bit about that role, and then I'll get a little bit more from you about your story to that role. But tell us a little bit about that role. Yeah, I really appreciate it, and um, yeah, thanks for th- thanks for the big up, basically. Um, so, so yeah, I'm Tom. Um, I, I basically lead recruitment, uh, you know, across uh, all areas for Brown Jacobson, so top fifty UK uh, law firm. Yep. Um, everything from you know a, an administrator through to a full equity partner um, is is hired by myself and my team. Uh, in addition to you know, the day job, as I would describe it, yep. uh, I also have to make sure that people are integrated into the firm. In, in the right way, you know, there's no point in attracting great talent and then losing it in your first three months if you don't embed them and, and onboard them properly. Um, but where my real passion has sort of come through, uh, you know, in addition to the day job, is I'm part of our diversity and inclusion, uh, inclusion committee. Yep. Um, but I also am the, the firm's lead on social mobility, um, and, you know, and that's the the strategy, but also uh, the initiatives in which we, we we roll out and have done so for, for a number of years now. Okay. Tom, let me start with a really basic question, and forgive me for this. What do we mean, or, or what, what do you mean by social mobility? Because I, I reckon there are people who hear that term, but perhaps aren't quite sure about what it means or what it needs to mean to them and their organisations. Yeah, it's a really good. It's a really good point. I mean, it's a term that's obviously grown. Um, you know. Up, up the sort of strategic priority list very, yeah. very quickly for a lot of um, organisations out there, be it legal or, or otherwise. But effectively, I mean, social mobility in its nutshell is is doing better than your parents. It's as, it really is that. Um, you know, it, it's we have obviously different social classes within the UK, uh, and this is looking at you know trying to move between the two different classes. So you'll see a lot of you know social mobility foundation uh, as a charity uh, is a good example. Their yes. logo is a ladder 
um, and it is absolutely about moving individuals from different um, different classes and and doing better uh, than, than than your parents basically are we still thought of as the uk as quite a class driven organization country are we seen as a very class driven country still do you think but both within our fair island and externally um i i mean this is personal but um i, I mean I, I'm, I live in Nottingham, so, so I'm almost right in the middle. I'm Nottingham born and bred. I was lucky enough to, to move down south, so yep. lucky. Had, uh, had 10 years down in London, um, and now I'm back in Nottingham, currently sat in the not-so-sunny um, kitchen looking at, uh, looking at the weather outside. But there is, there, is a, there is a divide in the UK, I think, between north and south. Right, okay. um, and more often than not, those in the Midlands and the north would, would typically – um, yeah, they, they probably feel more aligned to a, a working class background, um, and those in the south seem to indicate that they would be more a, 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 you know, focused towards a middle class. Okay, and you know, I lived in Manchester for many years. Now I know we're, we're going further north, but some of our most thriving cities are really northern cities, aren't they? I think. I mean, I've been a London and born and bred, but I, I would agree with you that perhaps sometimes we miss some of the gems that are north of Watford. Dare I say it? <laughs> the north as uh, as is often described is, on the yeah side. i know anything post uh the, the m25 <laughs> ridiculously now I, I know you are passionate about this particular subject and and you are doing amazing things the reason i wanted to, to chat to you is you are really you're a trailblazer in this area this important area how did you come to find yourself so passionate and in this role because you live and breathe this role so there's a bit of a journey to it tom how did that happen yeah yeah, definitely. I mean, it's. Um, I mean, it's always interesting. I mean, just you know, I, I'm. I understand that you know I'm not a. I'm not from a working class background. Um, you know, people could quite easily challenge and say, well, you know, why are you bothered about stuff like this? You know, what's yeah. it to you? You know, you, you know, professional parents and 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 you know, you've had it to some extent relatively sort of easy in terms of uh, of your upbringing, and, and I absolutely appreciate that. Where my social mobility journey started was you know, a good ten years ago. So, so I've been in you know, recruitment for for nigh on two decades now. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I first got into it in you know, two thousand and two, something like that. Um, when I first started, um, you know, I was in the agency side, and and you sort of it's quite a transactional role. You know, you, companies yeah. come to you say I need somebody, and you have a pool of candidates, and you you, you place them, and 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 that to some extent is is you. Know, the, the role of a recruitment agent, albeit many out there will probably um, say, no, no, it's much more than that. When I first moved in-house, which was, I think, around 2009, 2010, I joined Tesco, um, right. which was absolutely incredible. So so they're based in Welling Garden City in Hertfordshire. Um, and effectively, I, I moved in-house and I, for the first time, not only just filled jobs, um, but then you see the people come through the front door, you get to know them, you know, you work with them. And in due course, ultimately, if they progress, you start to recruit for their own teams. I think working for a company of the size of Tesco, um, I mean, back then it was, I think on, on you know, when I was there, it was 503,000 employees That's in the UK, half a million people. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yes, it's extraordinary. I mean, yeah, interestingly, many people at the time were like, you know, it's too big and it's a bit of a, a monolith and actually it's taken over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some might just say that success and ambition. Um, but what, what I realized is, is, it's not the um, you know, the damage to the high street that, that some people would say that they do. It's the positive impact of an, an employer of that size can have when it really turns its attention to, to things that matter. So, so I mean, I was at Tesco for about five years, um, right. culminating you know, with me. And initially, I, I led the recruitment within the, the real estate 
department. Um, I used to recruit graduates specifically to work in property. So yep. it could be architects, engineers, et cetera, et cetera. My performance in that area seemed to sort of outweigh my peers in terms of um, you know, the quality of graduates we got, the diversity of graduates that I would get. Culminating in maybe two or three years later, I was asked to lead graduate recruitment um, for Tesco full stop. And we used to have 42 different um, graduate programs across 13 different countries. We used to have um, you know, a volume of hire that was maybe five, 600 graduates a year, yep. but also five or 600 uh, interns uh, and placement students. Yeah, huge numbers. It, they're, they're massive numbers. And when you, when, you, when you see something on that scale, you start to see what the trends are. And I... And I not only through my own perception, but also through the, the hiring managers, we started to feel that the graduates were what we described as cookie cutter. And, and they all seemed to be the same. And I was like, well, the reality is, you know, we do what every other um, big, you know, FTSE 100 uh, organization does is we go to, you know, the, the, the top 20 universities in the UK, you know, we don't really look at a, a talent beyond that, um, you know, and then we then we put on very, very high academic bars. So, you know, you must have a 2-1 degree and an A and two Bs at A level to even apply for a graduate programme in Tesco. It's so competitive. Now, it, it's unbelievably competitive, but it, it sort of just felt a little bit hollow. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, there's some amazing individuals there. But but there was what was missing is is what I now know as diversity. Uh, that, that potentially ten years ago I didn't really know that's what it was. Right. So so we made a decision. We said, look, what happens if we if we take off the um, requirements at academics? You know, is the world going to stop? Are we going to you know destroy our talent pipeline? I, I bet that. a number of people hyperventilated at that point. Tom. Well, I mean, it, it, like, like anything, changes. Um, you know, you, you get your, your your trailblazers, and then you get those that are slightly more resistant to change. Um, I mean, from our side, it, it was it was quite hard sell initially, but as always, because we didn't know what the outcome was going to be. So anyway, we decided actually let's take off academics. You can apply with any degree classification; it doesn't matter about your A levels. Right. And very, very quickly, very quickly, you know, within 12 months or, or 24 months, we saw a completely different set of, 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 of trainees coming through. Um, what that looked like is that, you know, the, the diversity obviously changed. Um, the um, We were assessing people on things that weren't just academics and, and actually seeing a fundamental difference to the junior talent that was coming through. Um I'm going to skip forward quite quickly yep. uh, through these next couple of bits. So um, I, I was with, with Tesco five years. I then moved to Whitbread, um, Whitbread based in, in Bedfordshire, yep. at the time known for two big brands, you know, um, Premier Inn and Costa Coffee. Um, and again, was leading the, the graduate recruitment, uh, you know, within Whitbread. Um, didn't think anything of removing academics uh, again. So take off the 2-1, take off the A yep. and 2Bs requirement, because I'd seen it done incredibly successfully at um, with, uh, to Tesco yeah. and I've seen the difference that it makes and equally um, you know both retail and hospitality you you're likely you know if you're talking about people working in shops and working in uh, retail and, and, and delivering in hospitality you know with the utmost respect there's some incredible talent there but they're not always the most academically um, successful if that's the right term candidates in which case if you start whacking incredibly high academic yeah. bars onto a recruitment process, you're going to lose and miss out on some incredible talent. So yeah. again, successfully uh, implemented that at, um, uh, at Whitbread. Yep. Fast forward to, you know, 
2016, this is when I first came into the law and this is where things, um, again, got quite interesting. I bet. So, so, so I joined as, uh, as I said, to, to lead the recruitment, um, June 6th, 2016. Um, didn't think anything because I've now seen it at two organizations. I've taken the academic criteria off, right. seen great results as a, as, as a, as a, as a, as an outcome of making those decisions. So I took off, um, as I said, this is where it gets quite interesting. I took off the uh, need for a 2-1 or an A and 2Bs to, to apply for a training contract. Oh, within a law your, firm? Within a law firm, exactly. <laughs> now, this is where, you know, a, a valuable lesson for both me and the law firm comes about. Yep. So so we, we do this, we do our recruitment, and we, we make some fantastic hires. In law, you, you're typically offering a contract about two or three years in advance of them actually starting. Yeah. So fast forward to I think 2018 it was, um, and uh, you know one of the one of the partners was like, look, you know I've got my, my new trainee has started. They're absolutely brilliant, but what were the mitigating circumstances? So I was like, okay, what do you mean? And they said, well, they've got a two-two, and very clearly we don't take candidates with two-twos. Yeah. So I said, let's focus on the first part of that conversation. Um, they're absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so so you're telling me I've got a great one. Um, I then explained and said, look, we, we did two years ago make the decision to remove 2-1 and A, A and 2Bs because yep. we don't believe it's a predictor, a good predictor of um, future performance in a role. So, so you know, that's what we did. Um, at that point, the, the partner walked off and thought, okay, fine, fair enough. Um, within five minutes, the phone was going and it was my boss who was the head of HR and was saying, uh, can you tell me about this uh, removal of academics? Um, because I've just had a very angry partner on the phone. And I said, look, I knew this was coming. Um, and and you know, we talked about it with my boss. Um, I was then called to a board meeting to go and explain what I'd done. How was it, was I'd this summoned at this point, Tom? <laughs> summoned is probably the right term, yeah. I mean, it was a, a strongly worded request. That, yeah. that, what, that a I, subpoena? That I, that, that I, yeah, a subpoena. <laughs> I've been subpoenaed by my own board to say, come on, you need to come and explain yourself. So anyway, you know, fast forward, that, that was put in for a couple of months' time. Um, and I knew, I mean, you know, as I said, it was an educated guess from my side. Uh, and I knew the data would be there and was there because, you know, the first thing I do is... Actually, you know, you've done it. Yeah, I, I'd done it. You know, I knew from day one that I needed to capture the data because data is absolutely at the heart of everything that's social mobility. And I'm sure we'll come on to that shortly. Well, it's like evidence as well. Lawyers like evidence, don't they, Tom? So you were right in your thinking. They're, they're, they're tangible, exactly. You know, give me facts, figures, pounds, pence, whatever it is, but give me something that's real yeah. and not uh, and not finger in the air. So, so anyway, at this point, went into the board meeting. Um, you know, an hour or so before, a couple of of, of partners that I know very well were kind of like, "Are you okay? You know, you're going to be all right with this. Uh, you know, we've got you back, but you know, I think they're a bit angry." Um, I was absolutely cool as a cucumber because I knew I'd done the research and I knew I had the data that I needed. So, so basically went into the board and they were like, well, you know, your paper's quite short. There's only three points on it. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's because there's only three points you need to know. Right. Um, so the first discussion point was... Right, these okay, are the three points. I want, I want us to get ready as you share these because these are nuggets that you've learned the hard way, Tom. So let's get ready for these three points. Yeah, so, 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 so effectively the first question that I had for the, for the, for the then operational board was, um, look, you know, do you what is success? You know, what, what do we define as what's the, what's the most successful role you can have in a law firm? And without doubt, of course, it was around the table. Well, being a partner, that's, you know, that's the promised land. Yeah, this is, this is it. You need to be a partner. So yeah. it's like, okay, so you're telling me that being a partner is the most successful thing you can do in a law firm. Yes, we're absolutely there. Second point was, okay, we used to ask for two, one and an A and two Bs at A level. Why? 
And at this point, fair to say the tumbleweed was kind of knocking around. Um, Church bells. I, well, well, yeah, it, after, after a little bit of stunned silence, basically we got into the point that, you know, a few people said, well, it's, it's what every law firm does. And I was like, okay, remember that phrase because yeah. we will come yeah. back to that. Um, and then the final one, and this is where I sort of had my, my, my I won't call it the grand reveal, but, uh, you know, at the time we had... Um, I feel we like I have a drum roll here, Tom. Yeah, I think we had about 109 partners um, and I'd, I'd done my sort of, you know, I'd been around and done my my research and basically I'd spoken to, I think it was about 80 or 90 of the 109 yep. partners. Uh, and then I explained to, to them, I said, did you know that one in five, 20% of our partners has a 2-2 and wouldn't even be able to apply for their own graduate scheme? Yet you're telling me at the start of this meeting that a partner is the most successful talent we have. Oh, there's the killer blow, Tom. <laughs> So at this point, it's fair to say the wry smile started to come out. Right. Um, the, pe- the penny dropped that I was like, look, academics will not hold you back. They will not hold you back. So, so it, I mean, it was a really sort of, you know, a seminal moment for Brown Jacobson and, yeah. and for a few people there to say, look, okay, the story. you've proved that academics don't make, yeah, don't get me wrong. This is not a beat down on those who, who went to brilliant universities and have first, you know, it, it leads on to the point that I encouraged Brown Jacobson at that time is we need to start looking at people in context. Yes. So their, their, their academic achievements need to be done in context. And I think that then sort of subsequently moves us on to, to maybe the next point. Um, so yeah, that was that was the first point, how I, how I convinced the firm that removing an academic criteria in 2016 was the right thing to do. I, I love this story. And this is one of the reasons I, I just had to have you on the show, because it's an enormous amount of, of courage. Yes, you had been through it before. So you had the evidence required. But let's just make it very clear to anybody listening that that's not an easy environment you were up against 110 odd partners of a big of a big one of the biggest law firms who have certain ways of doing things and you were challenging all that they had thought was the way of doing things yeah and let me shuttle forward a bit more you are now the recipient aren't you that the the firm has been voted the number one social mobility employer in the uk that's right isn't it tom yeah, so the Social Mobility Foundation, as I said, you know, kind of the, the number one charity. Yeah. Um, they do an, an employer ranking, uh, an index as they call it, um, open to any employer, not just law firms, but yeah. any sector. Um, and yeah, we, we as of November 2021, we're ranked number one in that employer index. Listen, that's amazing, isn't it? And that's an amazing accolade to you. I know you've, you've been the real champion and driver of that, but also it's a huge congratulation to the firm who were also maybe courageous enough as well to say, listen, let's go with this and let's embrace this. Yeah, indeed. I mean, it's um, if, if you've got time, I'll tell you a little story, actually. I love um, a story. <laughs> so, so you're right. I mean, basically, the index has been going for about six years, um, the first five of which um, PwC um, PricewaterhouseCoopers have been yep. top of this. Um, quite rightly, they do incredible things in that space. Right. Um, when we first, we never entered it in the first three years. Um, so, so uh, you know, we didn't, we weren't aware it existed, and, and and it slowly built up over time. The first year we entered it um, would have been 2019, and and we were ranked. 82nd so you basically submit a at the time it was a 20 page document with lots and lots of facts and figures about um you know kind of where you're at and what you're doing um and the top 75 is incredibly well publicized so so you know this is the sort of things that um yeah so sarah atkinson who's who's the current ceo uh, an, an incredible um individual credible leader 
at the Social Mobility Foundation. Um, she she will go on you know, the, the national press and announce this. Uh, you know, so it's, it's 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 a big deal. Yeah, and, and you know it, it's nice to be part of it. So we were disappointed in the first year to miss out on the top seventy five. Yep. But w- what I would say is anybody thinking of uh, you know if, if social mobility matters to you, get yourself and it must. Uh, Let's yeah, be honest, get, and it must matter submit an application to the to the index because only good things can happen one is that you'll be ranked uh, and you'll see where you where you sit and and, you know kind of whether you're doing good things or whether you need to do more but actually the social mobility foundation is brilliant because it gives you a really detailed bespoke report that actually when we got it as uh, ranked 82nd that was our instruction manual for the next year that's your to-do list isn't it here's what we need to change we need to do this we need to do that etc um in 2020, we actually ranked fifth. So we were an Incredible. enormous jump. Now, I think some of that, we most suspect to my colleagues, is I, I don't think we really knew how to fill out the actual forms. So, so I don't think we were ever sort of 82nd, but we were on our journey. Um, so we moved from 82nd to fifth. And then this year, as I said, the achieving a fifth place is an incredible achievement for a firm our size we're a thousand people you know 90 million turnover um i have to say you know and you look at some of the people that are in that top you know the the clifford champs um herbert smith free hills uh kpmg pwc you know these are heavyweights these are proper heavyweights and then you've got us the you know the little guy um but anyway to to, to my short little story so so i i felt incredible pressure i'm not gonna lie we had this fifth place ranking and i was thinking oh my lord how are we going to keep hold of this you know we've done amazing things i felt we've punched above our weight so anyway, I was in a meeting, strangely enough, with Ollie, who's our head of DNI. Yep. And my, my mobile phone rings, um, you know, rings reasonably regularly, given the nature of the job. But I, I, it was a number I didn't recognise. And I thought, oh, I'll let it go to voicemail. No. Um, I then see in the bottom um, uh, bottom of my screen, I saw an email pop up and it said Social Mobility Foundation. This was in, I don't know, maybe September of last year. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, um, they never tell you when they're actually going to reveal kind of what, um, you know, what your ranking is. Okay. So anyway, I said, oh, I, I said, look, I've just, um, I said, I might have to log off because I've just, I've just seen that we've got an email from Social Mobility Foundation asking us to get in touch with them. And I was thinking, oh, I don't know if that's going to be good news or bad news. <laughs> so I was thinking, yeah, here, here comes the, the, the difficult yeah. second album. Yeah. The reveal. Yeah, the reveal. So, so anyway, then I, then I saw, you know, I saw the, the transcript of the voicemail in the email. And it said, you know, Sarah Atkinson, you know, chief exec of um, Social Mobility Foundation said, I've got an update on your um, ranking and, and I think I probably need speech. And I thought, oh my God, like we're going to kick us out of this thing or something. Um, so anyway, I, I, my heart was absolutely going. So anyway, I phoned Sarah and she said, oh, it's um, Sarah. Do you know who I am? I was like, I, I absolutely know who you are. And she said, look, you know, we've been kicking the tires around for, uh, you know, on the top 10 of the index. And I thought, oh, that's like amazing. Like, are we going to be in the top 10 again? Yeah. And she said, look, we just keep coming back to the great work that you guys are doing. And she said, you know, I'm, I, I'm pleased to let you know that you're ranked number one. I don't think in my life I've been lost for words, but I literally, I could not actually get the words out ah, i almost fell out of the chair and i was like you are kidding you are at-. i think i said that about 10 times but it was just nice the, news to have it's, it was incredible news and i think it was more the fact that you know the, the, the great thing about the, the work we've done in social mobility is that you know whether it's the awards we've won whether it's the rankings we've received these these things are always assessed and judged by external genuine experts that, that you know would not do validation these, isn't know, it tom it's pure validation yep. and it's incredibly um, 
yeah, it, it's been an incredible um, journey so far, but you know, we've barely scratched the surface. And, and I know we're barely scratching the surface in, in this episode. Just tell me a little bit about some of the impact that you've seen in the firm as a result of this strategy. So yes, you've been uh, uh, looked at as number one, held up as number one. What are you seeing internally within the firm? Because uh, I'm a big proponent yeah. of leading inclusively and diversity and inclusion is something that is not a tick box it's got to be part and parcel of the dna and having that diversity of thought makes us better what are you seeing inside brown jacobson yeah i mean the, the there's a couple of things so so the statistics of which i'll give you some very very stark facts yep. and this is why you know this is where whenever I'm asked to speak to anyone and I'm regularly contacted by other law firms or, or other employers saying, you know, what, what can we do? And, you know, I can only advise them what they might do, um, whether they do it and implement it or they're as open to change and, and, and you know, as our leadership team has been, um, you know, that's, that's for them. But the, there is the stark facts, but then there is the feel. There, there is absolutely what is changing culturally. And that's something that you can't always put into facts and figures, which, right. you know, as I say, you know, sometimes it's uncomfortable for a lawyer. Um, I, I mean, by the time I went to uh, the 2018 board meeting, as I said, the, the, the statistics were pretty poor for, for us in general. So when I joined, as I said, you know, June 2016, yep. our junior population, so our trainees were, you know, um, from – hundred percent came from Russell group universities. Wow. Um, only 7% were black, Asian or minority ethnic. Um, and it, it was just, well, those are two uh, telling uh, statistics in themselves, Tom. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and so you think, right, okay, this is, this is a problem. Now, social mobility doesn't always directly change those things, but fast forward each year. Um, I mean, we, we have seen a steady increase since we took off the academic criteria um, of, you know, we're, we're as of 2022, yep. so literally the latest intake, I mean, we're 45% black Asian minority ethnic. Amazing. And I think off the top of my head, I think that went from seven to 18 in the, in, you know, between 2016 um, it was 18% in 2017, then yep. 29%, and it's steadily increased okay. um, in terms of the, the ethnicity, and, and that's been a, a fantastic fact. What we've also seen is you know, we're now 50-50 in terms of Russell Group and non-Russell Group. One of the biggest challenges from Social Mobility Foundation's report is that law firms say they are using their outreach and they're going and approaching students in far more diverse universities, non-Russell group, et cetera, yep. but they're not yep. hiring from those. So they're getting in the process, but they are not, they're not being uh, successful. They're, they're, not, they're, they're, they're not being successful. And that's either because they don't know how to be and law firms aren't um, providing the right support during the recruitment process. Um, but equally, I mean, from our side, 30% of offers are now made to students who would never have previously been able to, to, to apply. Right. So, so that's 30%. You know, I mean, we're, you, don't, you only have to go on, the, go on the, the internet or read a paper to know that we're currently in a war for talent. You know, and oh, I, I'm going to come on to that. Uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it's inc my day job, my team's day job to recruit talent to the firm is bloody difficult. Okay. Um, the last thing we want to be doing is is cutting out the opportunity for people who genuinely can get these jobs. So, so of the thirty percent, and this is perhaps the most telling, is you know the, the question when you remove any academic um, grades, any lawyer will say, does the quality drop? 
we've seen that um, of the individuals, the 30% who don't have the grades that would have been previously required, those 30%, 70% of those 30% are achieving the highest exceptional rating in their end of year reviews. So that puts them in the top 5% of of, of the firm's, um, you know, uh, talent. The partners of the future. Exactly. And and whatever they go to do. But I mean, the, the second part, Adam, is is you know you cannot underestimate the the feel and the change to the culture that this has had. I mean, that is where I get my energy. You know, I mean, it, there are lots of people saying very nice things about us. That isn't what we do it for. But what really matters is I cannot tell you how many people have come up and said, you know what, I've had to mask the fact that I I actually didn't get great grades, or I've had to mask or hide the yeah. fact that. I am from a working class background because if otherwise I fear I won't fit in and I'll be chipped out. This sort of removal of the stigma that actually I haven't got great grades or I'm from a working class background, that for me has just been a revelation because people can now be their authentic selves in the same way that we say about, you know, if, you know, whatever your background is, if, if, you know, it's a different ethnicity or, you know, minority ethnic, or you've got a disability, you know, all of the stigma that sometimes people feel with that, people do feel with social class. And it's like we're taking that veil away and it's absolutely brilliant to see. And Tom, this is so important because you, you kind of alluded to the great attrition and a lot of companies and sectors now are facing that problem. And how do you identify and nurture and retain great talent? Because there's opportunity for great talent and they can vote with their feet and leave. Or they have a plethora, perhaps, of of options that they can take. What you're describing to me is the kind of culture that a lot of the younger generation would like to work in. One of inclusivity, one that is a force for good, one that is diverse in nature, and one that doesn't have stigma attached to it. That anyone and everyone, as long as capable can come and so yep. that's a big piece of the culture isn't it? i assume of brown jacobson yeah indeed i mean one of the one of the biggest things and and again i appreciate the you know I, I could genuinely talk you're gonna have to do a lot of editing because i could talk to you for hours on this <laughs> we'll um, do another episode but, tom yeah yeah, well, yeah the, the, this is going to be a mini series i think so 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 i mean there are so many things that we have put in place and just to be crystal clear yeah. this is this is this is you know, we have we have not spent a lot of money on this. Um, you know, we may have spent less than thirty thousand pounds in five years wow. changing things. And and you know, when I when when I refer back to the names that I've just referred to that are, are up there in that list as well, yeah. you know, they may spend that in a meeting. You know, it, it's it's one of those things. So this is why social mobility is so important because you can anybody can make changes if you're willing to. You know, this is not a cost exercise. Um, the, I mean, I suppose from our side, one of the biggest things that we that, that I'm lucky enough to have is the support of our leadership team is that there is no direct return on investment yep. for, for any of the activity I've done. So a, a second moment in time, um, you know, we've talked about kind of the removal of the academic um, criteria. The, the, the second biggest moment in, 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 in the journey, the social mobility journey for Brown Jacobson was back in 2019 when we didn't have a centrally controlled work experience program. And work experience is the, oh, I hate to say the root of all evil in terms of you know barriers into a career in law, but yeah. I tell you, it plays a significant part. So we, like I said, we used to let 
each department just crack on and say, you know, if you if you want to bring someone in, bring them in, just capture it, you know, make sure health and safety, all, all of the tick box stuff. Um, it got to the point where a client's son had arrived uh, one Monday morning mm-hmm. um, and somebody had forgotten, they'd actually forgotten that they'd offered this per- <laughs> this person's son uh, some work experience. So they were like, you know, last two minutes notice, it was like, oh, yeah, can we look after them for three days? Um, and it was like, okay, so this person just got dropped by the side of somebody's desk. Yes. We, we made sure they had a good experience, but at that point, you know, said partner um, lost their stuff basically um and, and said look somebody needs to basically get hold of this so i put my hands up and i said look I, i'm happy work experience love it you know I, i'm happy to put my arms around it and see if i can create something right um that, that, that stops this disruption so we had this massive spreadsheet um the spreadsheet dated back four or five years um and i was absolutely delighted to see that we offered 80 eight zero right. um right. you know students on average a year and i was like this is, this That's is a lot. great I, I didn't know that we offered that many uh, work experience places and i'm the person who's meant to be responsible for recruitment um but the killer statistic within that was that 96 percent of that 80 were either client or partner's children Right. And there was no room for anybody else. There was no opportunity. So, so that was like a ah, okay. We 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 have a problem here. We're no better or worse than any uh, you know, most of the law firms. So I genuinely went home that night, and I just you know, as I said, I am passionate about um, social mobility. Have been for a decade because I've seen so much yeah. talent go to waste. Given that I am at the sharp end of, do you get the job or do you not? Do you and you've seen the, the results, Tom. You've seen the positive uh, results. And, and, and I've seen, I don't want, I do not want to, to even say how easy it is to get results, but I've seen how easy it is to remove certain yeah. parts of a process if you're just brave enough to, to say, scrap it, we don't need it. Um, but anyway, I went home that evening and I genuinely um, you know, went to bed and, and it, it was, it was, I remember like it was yesterday, it was on my mind. And I, I woke up 1.30 in the morning, I've still got the email now. Um, and I was like, right, I think I've got an idea. It's a really cheesy acronym, but it's fair. And I, I was like, if this is, if, if what we're doing is not currently fair, then F-A-I-R-E, what is fair? F A I R E, isn't it, Tom? It's F A I R E. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and that stands for fairer access into real experience. Right. Um, I mean, it was it was better than my other one, which was going to be um, a social initiative, getting more people legal experience. But I realised that's been spelt simple, so I thought, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go with that one. We went with, um, we went with fair I'll instead. Tra- I'll, trade, I'll, I'll trademark that before anyone else does. Um, so I went with fair because it was just like, look, if that's not fair, this is fair, and it is about giving fairer access. And I literally I emailed myself 1:30 in the morning, walked in next morning. Um, Caroline Green, who's our senior partner, Declan Vaughan, who's our people director. Yeah, I just said I've got an idea and I need to speak to you. Literally, they dropped everything. I spoke to them and I said, look, if we are genuinely serious about social mobility, then from today, we, we are going to create a program called FAIR. It will be 80 work experience places, but we absolutely, as a minimum, 50% of those need to be given to, to low socioeconomic students, uh, you know, underrepresented backgrounds, because it absolutely cannot be that the majority goes to those who don't really need it. You know, mum and dad are connected. They can get you this experience anyway. So, so we, that's where, where FAIR, our, our sort of flagship program, was born. And I guess the, the, uh, very shortly after we'd conceived that idea, um, the pandemic hit maybe six months later. Right. So our grand plans to bring 80 people uh, into uh, in-person work experience had to be shelved for obvious reasons. Yeah, of course. But this is where I think we've really benefited in the last you know, 12 or, or 18 months or so is – 
the classic is when I don't think I'm allowed to swear on this podcast, so I'll be careful. I have to tick a different pox, Tom. So, so yeah, best <laughs> yeah, not. I won't. I won't. So, so when the brown stuff hit the fan <laughs> in the world, as <laughs> it did, yep. Um, I think somebody's credentials. Are t- uh, 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 you get the opportunity to show you what to show what you're really about yep. when you don't have to do something. Right. You know, I think it's the classic cliche of you know it's how you behave when there's no one else in the room. That's culture. Now we we could have dropped this. We could have dropped our social mobility agenda so easily, but we didn't. We accelerated it during the pandemic because this is when it really bites you know it's hard enough for 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 for, for low socioeconomic individuals to get a chance in normal times let alone in a pandemic so we couldn't do in-person work experience so we took a decision i said you know what why don't we try and do something online let's let's try and see if we can get some speakers um let's try and put something on for a couple of days and just give them something back is there anything for the firm no there's not you know this is going to cost you two or three grand to pay for a zoom license um but I just think it's the right thing to do. And I, I managed to convince the firm that actually there's no no benefit here. We're not trying to recruit people. We just, if we are serious about social mobility, we're going to put something on that's going to give them access to opportunity, access to contacts and access to knowledge. And if they use that to go and get a, a job or a training contract at another law firm or in-house or as yeah, a barrister, so, so be it. So I prepped our marketing team and, and, you know, they were a bit like, oh, actually we've got lots to do. And, and, and so, you know, I had some good support, but um, I sort of said, look, I think it would be, you know, we might get a few hundred students on it. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's something here, you know, everyone's in lockdown and I think we can do something good. So anyway, um, we, 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 we did some marketing around it. Um, as again, you know, used, used the networks that we had because we had to beg, steal and borrow. Yep. And I remember logging on that morning um, to, to the Zoom call and, and you know, obviously in the bottom corner, it says yeah. number of participants. And I remember someone counting down saying, yeah, we'll go live in five, four, three, two, one. Within 34 seconds, that number read 7,120 students. And I literally, I was like, I, I kind of was like. Another moment you are speechless, Tom. <laughs> literally yeah it was almost <laughs> second one i couldn't be speechless because i had to then deliver a welcome to the to, to the fair event but what it did was i mean it ripped and i absolutely mean this ripped the cover off social mobility in law this was right. the largest ever legal live work experience event um we had messages from linkedin saying you know you're currently in the top one percent trending wow. uh, and engagement but what it did was it made other law firms sit up and listen I bet. and they were like wow okay we we need to do more and that actually i mean the messages i mean your good pal um and one of the absolute like legends in law chris door qc chris from day one i mean i cannot tell you how much support and guidance that that uh, that guy gave us i mean right. he was right there at the start um and he yeah i mean he was just blown away by with the messages online that were saying you know, we didn't just talk about what you, what careers you can have in law. We talked about mental health. We talked about, you know, race and equality. Yes. Um, we talked about, you know, being proud of your background and how you can harness that in your applications if you are worried about it as a student making an application. Yeah. And it literally it felt like something special happened as a result of this. And and we've kicked on really from there. Tom, this is an inspirational episode, and I hope people are listening to this and thinking to themselves, I need to do more. Because if you think about it, if all the organizations were to try and make a shift in the way that you made a shift, 
just think of the opportunity that that would open up for so many young adults who perhaps wouldn't have had access to those to those opportunities. Now, we're scratching the surface. So my question to you is, how can people get in touch with you, Tom, if they want to carry on the conversation or get some advice from you as regards how can yeah. they start on the social mobility path now and, and really lead their organisations with inclusivity at the heart? How do they get hold of you, Tom? Yeah, definitely. Look, I'm, I'm all over LinkedIn. Um, you know, you're more likely to get me through that than you with my email. Okay. Uh, I think I've kind of got... Um, you know, a backlog of those. So, um, I, I mean, look, I I am truly passionate and I know that I'd like to think that comes across. Um, it, it is, you know, you get to the point in your career, you know, I've done this, um, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not, um, you know, in the twilight zone yet, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm knocking on the door of, say, early 40s. Um, I want to, you know, my day job is is something that I do well and, and, and can do it and have done it for 20 years, but I want to leave a legacy. Yep. My legacy yep. is not about, um, you know, just changing the small world within Brown Jacobson. I genuinely think we we can change, uh, you know, the, the legal landscape and, and make it far more accessible to anybody from any background as it should be. So I am actually keen to collaborate with others um, and hear from others. So do get okay. hold of me through LinkedIn, um, by all means. You know, it's yeah. Tom Lyas on LinkedIn. They'll find you easy, right? Absolutely. Yep. And uh, yeah, where, wherever possible, I genuinely try and get back in touch. Right. Am I an absolute expert? No, but you know, look, I've picked up a few things along the way. There's plenty that I would encourage. Um, I'd also signpost people towards um, the Social Mobility Com- uh, Commission, right. which is the government arm of um, the social mobility. They released a toolkit, a 45-page or 46-page toolkit recently for employers. It's a great start. It's an absolute, you know, if you've never thought about this, this will give you things for free, templates, everything that you want to really kick on and start your own journey of changing um, social mobility within you and your organization. Tom, this episode is jam-packed full of, I think, inspirational nuggets. And I just want to say a massive thank you to you for championing uh, this issue of social mobility. And it's a massive shout-out to Brown Jacobson as well. You know, there's that lawyer in me. It's incredible. It makes, gives me a warm and fuzzy feeling as well. You know, I have two teenagers to know that really there are organisations now really looking at uh, how can they be truly inclusive. So it is a huge round of applause to Brown Jacobson and the support they've given you in order to lead the way. So kudos to all of you. Thank you ever so much. Really appreciate the opportunity. And I hope you'll come back and see us soon on the Leadership Enigma. Definitely. Join us again next week for more tips and strategies on the Leadership Enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or our YouTube channel. And remember to get your daily learning to build success at www.insights.emeritus.org. Download the Insights app and start learning for free. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on all your major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.